0: GP Insights, a Health Cert podcast, practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Health Cert's GP Insights podcast. Today we're talking about mole removal with Dr. Helena Rosengrin, an experienced skin cancer and cosmetic medicine physician based in Townsville. Welcome, Helena, and thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much, Megan.
1: Moving on to the first question then. Is mole removal a common request by patients in primary care? And why do some patients want moles removed when they can be sometimes harmless?
0: It probably isn't such a common request until your patients realise there is a very easy solution. When they actually discover from their friends or maybe from some advertising you do or from your newsletter that you do mole removal, with a device that makes it extremely easy, then you will probably find that people come flocking.
1: I would count myself as one of those people. Do they share by any chance why they want their moles removed?
0: Oh, yes. So it it may be for reasons that they don't like them cosmetically, especially if they're on the face or the neck or the decolletage area. It may be that moles are rubbing on clothing, underwear, jewellery, skin tags around their neck, that sort of thing. Some patients come because they're, it's usually the white set them along because they don't like something ugly on their back, <laughs> such as a seborrheic keratosis. And we are also occasionally treating resistant viral warts on the feet. So they are coming because it's uncomfortable to walk on them and they've tried every other treatment and it simply isn't working.
1: Are there any patients that are ideal candidates for mole removal?
0: Generally speaking, almost everybody is really well suited to this treatment, which is you know really simple and leaves excellent cosmetic results. Though I would be a little bit more cautionary with darker skin patients, who uh, definitely are more likely to be left with hyperpigmented or hypopigmented area, and and that of course is part of your consent process with all patients. You would be more cautious also with larger separate keratosis, for example. You need to warn the patient that it, it may, in fact, take multiple treatments to get rid of the seb that's perhaps more than 1.5 centimetres in size. Once they're warned about that, they're very happy to return. And that they would be the main patients in whom I would be cautious. Obviously, you're not, you want to assess the race lesion. And if you think, in fact, that it's a keloid scar or a hypertrophic scar, that this is not treatment. You would need instead to use a steroid injection into that lesion.
1: Thank you. So in your process for consulting with patients who want rolls removed, do you often perform or encourage them to get a full skin check? first or at the same
0: time? Well, in our clinic, because we are so busy and skin checks actually at the moment are needing to be booked three months down the line. We are able to book patients straight in for this procedure and they don't have to have a a skin check first. But what we do insist on is that every single lesion that is going to be destroyed in this way is looked at by a skilled skin cancer doctor first. Um, And we actually mark the lesions and take photographs beforehand, before the destructive procedure. I think that's extremely, extremely important. And actually, I've had many, many patients over time come asking for skin cancers to be removed because they're new and they're raised and don't like them. And even on two occasions, they've been melanomas. So you do need training in demoscopy and being really proficient with that diagnosis. But then, of course, when the patient presents, we are often suggesting a full skin check, especially if we think we found skin cancer or they've got multiple dysplastic nevi or, you know, you can see that they have had a lot of background sun exposure from the sun damage on their skin. So we would definitely be jumping in and making that suggestion. Of course,
1: absolutely. So what tools and methods do you use for mold removal and how do they work?
0: All right, so we use the Elman device. So it's a surge trunk to and all devices actually use thermal energy for tissue destruction. So basically as you're passing a loop through a lesion, it's dissolving that tissue through thermal energy. You can use probes that just dissolve on the surface, but we, we tend to always use these little metal loops. The loops themselves can be disposable or reusable. We ourselves have opted to get the reusable loops that we then clean and put in the autoclave before used again, and we've opted for. Some quite sturdy ones. They work well even on tiny lesions. It's it's been a process for us. We've tried lots of different things, but we find the very fine ones actually break extremely easy, easily, um, and have needed replacing. And then our, our our nurses actually do the treatment. It's a matter of injecting a local anaesthetic first, and then carefully passing this probe through the lesion or touching the surface of it if depending on the actual device that we're putting on. And then a light feathering action so that we get a beautiful, even periphery that blends with the surrounding skin. After that, all it needs is a Band-Aid put on it and to be kept covered for a week or two, depending on the site, until it's fully epithelialized. And that will also reduce the possibility of hypo or hyperpigmentation in my view it might even be worthwhile keeping it covered even with my tape for some weeks after the procedure to assist with normal pig- or normal pigmentation. Essentially the device works through vulgaration of the lesion and there are many different devices that could, can be used. We love the the Ellman surgery that we have works really well we have different settings so it can be used on hemangiomas as, as well and cauterizes and prevents uh, bleeding at the time there are many you know there are different settings and a dial we dial it up if we need to so it we've, we've been very very pleased with that device but there are other devices on the market also
1: what sort of lesions can be removed with your Surgitron, and can it be used anywhere on the body?
0: So most raised lesions would uh, qualify. That's severate keratosis, intradermal nevi, compound nevi, skin tags, hemangiomas, even little milial cysts that are very superficial. What you wouldn't want to be treated is a hypertrophic scar or skin cancer or a cyst that's underneath the skin or forming deeper within the dermis, because that's not going to be responsive. And we can treat any part of the body actually. So we we do a lot of treatments, even on the eyelids. It's very effective and it prevents people going to eye specialists where this is a little benign separate keratosis or the lesion. And we will treat all the way down to the feet, as I've said, even a viral warts
1: Fantastic. What are the benefits of radioablation over other mole removal methods, including excision, for example?
0: Well, excision would be the main alternative for a mole removal. And certainly, if you were unsure of the underlying diagnosis, and perhaps even suspecting a mole number, of course, you would be doing an excision. But if you are 100% sure that you're dealing with a benign lesion, then this is very, very superior. And by the way, if you're 98% sure, then you have the option of doing a shave first and sending that part off for histology and then do the radioablation on the remnant that remains to make sure you get this nice flush area with the surrounding skin. So the, the main advantages to doing radioablation as opposed to excision all lesions that are suitable is that it is quick. There is reduced scarring compared to excision. There is no need for removing sutures. There will not be any bleeding or bruising afterwards. And it leads, leaves really a very much smaller defect, which is, you know, tiny scar, which is the size of the lesion itself, just about. Especially, I think this is important where people are having torso lesions removed which are also if you're doing an excision prone to a lot of tension so as that heals because people stretch and bend you tend to get widening of the scar which actually can lead cosmetic results that patients are not at all happy with so it's, it's actually a fantastic alternative to excision
1: exactly and are there any other risks or side effects involved with radioablation? ablation That's true. So we can definitely get hypo
0: or hyperpigmentation and all patients must be advised of that. But I find it's more likely in Fitzpatrick 5.6, though it can occur even in paler skins. The other problems that we do come across is perhaps leaving residual tumour, recurrence and hypertrophic scarring. So if the patient comes back because their lesion is no longer flush, it's a matter of very careful assessment. Make sure you got the diagnosis correct in the first place. If you have any doubt, then send a shave or a punch biopsy away for assessment and assess really carefully for the possibility of hypertrophic scar because obviously if you then treat again with radioablation, it will simply get worse. And so this needs to be treated in a different way with a steroid injection that said it is really not common i've i've only come across it very occasionally i find it's more likely for larger lesions and of course in those high risk areas which is the upper chest shoulders and and upper back but a history for likelihood of keloid or hypertrophic scarring before you start is going to be essential, especially on these areas.
1: Moving on, what kind of equipment or training is required to provide mole removal services in primary care settings?
0: Well, I wouldn't be offering it within a practice unless you've got a doctor that is very confident with dermoscopy, because it's obviously legal case waiting to happen. If you inadvertently treat a skin cancer, especially melanoma in this way. Other than that, you want to choose, as a doctor, you could do these treatments yourself. And if you are uh, very precise, you will do really well. And it's actually very simple and straightforward. Or you choose a nurse that's very experienced to focus on detail, because that's going to be important. Patients are usually coming for a better cosmetic outcome. So you want to be very precise with how you manage these lesions. But in and of itself, the procedure is very simple. I would be starting with the simplest lesion support, which are going to be the softer things like skin tags and compound nevi. They're much, much easier to remove. Intradermal nevi have got a harder core and with those, we find it's going to help to go a little bit deeper. So we even leave maybe the tiniest bit of a divot there and don't go flush with the skin because they are the ones that we will see can come back or that you leave residual tumor behind because they're so hard, hard in their nature. So it's it that definitely is probably better left till you have more experience. But I think it's also going to be a matter of advising the patient. They know there can be recurrence and uh, advising them that they come back within a month if they feel that there has been recurrence and that that consult will be bulk filled and any further treatment that's needed will be well-filled. So that's reassuring. We find actually very few patients do need to come back. But because we've offered that, we know we're going to see them. They're not going to go to somebody else who may completely misunderstand the management process. It's, it's so much better to look after issues for yourself if you've got patients that aren't altogether happy or haven't had the expected results. And that, that's the way you create happy customers.
1: Fantastic. You've provided a lot of practical advice and tips throughout the episode. Do you have any other advice for a practitioner interested in introducing mole removal into their practice and how they can get started?
0: Well, you might like to research the different devices. I think the Elm Elman Surgitron probably is still very near the top of that list within the primary healthcare setting you might like to go to a practice where this treatment is being offered just to watch how it's done because you're probably going to be the one that's training the nurse initially but you'll find that if they do a lot of these treatments they'll very quickly surpass you <laughs> certainly <laughs> my nurses are a lot better at me on, on this particular technique to that do uh, the treatment for us and uh, yeah they're, they're the main things
1: Fantastic. Thank you again for sharing your time and experience with us, Helena.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, Megan. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to com.